This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. Back in 1953, at MIT, two young mathematicians crossed paths. Professor Israel Aumann was a young, brilliant doctoral student when he met John Nash, the founder of game theory and the subject of the biography and Oscar-winning film A Beautiful Mind. Nash shared his ideas on game theory with Aumann, who later said, quote, I didn't give the field much thought at the time because I was busy with pure mathematics. Years later, when Aumann was hired by Bell to work on anti-aircraft missiles, he realized that Nash's ideas were a game-changer, pun intended. Later, both men would receive Nobel Prizes for their contributions to the field of economics. Recently, Aumann expressed criticism about assertions by prominent behavioral economists such as Daniel Kahneman and Dan Ariely that humans are fundamentally irrational. Aumann urges a return to rationality. Professor Israel Aumann is himself a legend of game theory. He's a founding member of the Stony Brook Center for Game Theory and is a professor at the Center for the Study of Rationality at the Hebrew University. We're thrilled to be joined today on the show for the second time by Professor Israel Aumann. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor. Uh, I'm, uh, good morning. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Um, let me start out by uh, making a correction. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, John Nash is not the founder of game theory, okay? Okay. The founder of game theory, there are two founders, actually. One is John von Neumann, who uh, was, uh, I, w- I would say, probably uh, among... At, uh, three or four of the most outstanding mathematicians of the 20th century. Uh, And the the other one was Oscar Morgenstern, who was an economist, okay? And together, uh, uh, von Neumann was Jewish, and uh, he uh, escaped from Europe to uh, to the United States in the in the thirties, uh, made his way to Princeton. Um, Morgenstern was not Jewish; he was Austrian, and he was a, a he himself liked to say that he was a, a a descendant of a bastard son of the Austrian emperor. Uh, and uh, so he was a sort of Austrian aristocracy. And uh, in spite of the fact that he was uh, not Jewish, he, so he was in no danger, no danger in staying in Austria, he despised Hitler and also ran away to um, the United States. And they met at a cocktail party in Princeton um, in the late 30s. And uh, Morgenstern had some of the founding ideas of game theory, and so did von Neumann. Von Neumann had published an important paper in 1928, 
the perhaps the first uh, substantial paper in game theory and uh, they exchanged ideas and they got together and they made a partnership and they wrote a monumental book called the theory of games and economic behavior uh, which was published in 1944. So they are the 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 parents of of uh, game theory mm. and nash uh, game theory became a um, uh, an important item at princeton in the late 40s and early 50s and uh, nash was part of that uh, uh, part of that endeavor uh, he uh, he latched onto it and he made uh, an, a very important definition uh, uh, of uh, equilibrium points in games, which was a generalization of what uh, von Neumann had done in 28 and uh, connected onto the book that had been written. But uh, they, uh, von Neumann and Morgenstern are definitely the founding fathers uh, of game theory, and Nash is, is one of uh, uh, game theory's greats. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, but he's not the founding father. Okay, okay. so uh, let me make that correction. And with that, uh, we can... Uh, Get to we business. Can, uh, we, can, um, <laughs> uh, we can start, okay? okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So, so I'm, that, I'm, that's I'm glad quite we, right, I'm, yes. I'm glad we made the mistake. Yes. Otherwise, we wouldn't have... We wouldn't yes. have... Uh, been honored with the with the story. Well, Norman, by the way, in addition to game theory, which is perhaps uh, uh, which is an important discovery, he also made another important discovery, and that is the uh, uh, the uh, the electronic computer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so the the basis of of uh, of modern computers was uh, devised by von Neumann. Um, Basically, the idea is a stored address, but okay, we won't go into that. Uh, so what do you have against the notion that we people, the average Joe, for that matter, are irrational when we come to make day-to-day -day decisions? Why do you oppose that idea so profoundly? Well, uh, The the um, the behavioral economists Kahneman and Tversky and company, um, they say that people do not uh, figure things out rationally, but rather they um, they go by rules of thumb, which uh, every situation has a rule of thumb. Uh, uh, not every situation, but many situations have rules of thumb uh, associated with them, and they uh, and and they go they operate by those rules of thumb. They call them heuristics or biases, okay? And they point to situations in which those heuristics and biases lead to a suboptimal results, so irrational results. Now, uh, um, uh, I agree that people do not think things through. They do go by heuristics and biases, okay? 
But my contention is that these heuristics and biases usually lead to uh, uh, good uh, solutions, to rational behavior. Okay, the behavior is rational. The reason for the behavior is not rational, okay? Now, why is the ra behavior rational when th people have not th uh, thought things through? And the reason for that is that um, these heuristics and biases, these rules of thumb, did not spring from nowhere. They uh, evolved, they developed, they evolved. Uh, they evolved either biologically, for example, one rule of thumb is uh, eat when you're hungry, okay? Uh, Preferably or, or, pizza. Or eat, eat tasty food, okay? Uh, so, so that hunger evolved. Uh, yeah, Mr. Darwin made it happen, yes, okay? Uh, it evolved and... Uh, and evolution works by survival of the fittest. Things that evolve, features that evolve, including behavioral features, yes, uh, are, they survive because they are good, because they are uh, fit. Yeah, in other words, now it's, what would a behavioral economist do with food, okay? With eating when you're hungry or eating tasty food. Well, he would say, look, people eat, obese people eat when they're hungry or when they see tasty food, and it's not good for them, okay? Or they would say people coming out of concentration camps who have not eaten uh, properly for months or years, yes, and their stomachs have shrunk, they eat, okay, and then their stomachs burst and they die, okay? Now, so they, so Kahneman and Tversky would say, this is irrational behavior. Eating when you're hungry is irrational, okay? Uh, they point to situations like that where really it is irrational. It's irrational for obese people to eat. But the, the, uh, uh, these rules evolved not for the exception for the obese people, okay? And obesity is is quite prevalent nowadays, but in, in, in evolutionary time, it's, it's only in the last 100 or 200 years that it has become prevalent. It didn't, obesity did not used to be prevalent, although we see sometimes in China on, on those uh, um, uh, temples in China, we see rich people who are very obese sitting there. So e obesity is not something entirely modern, but it was much less prevalent. Uh, so uh, eating when you're hungry is good for you, okay? And, and uh, eating tasty food is good for you, in general, not in the exceptional cases. Now, uh, I've, I've studied uh, 26 different heuristics and biases of behavioral economics. And I have found that the examples that they sh use to show that the behavior following the heuristics and biases is irrational, all those behaviors are 
in exceptional situations, in fact, in contrived situations, okay? And for example, let me give you an example, okay? Um, uh, the, the most famous example of Kahneman and Tversky is Linda. Have you heard of Linda? No? No. No? 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 Okay. So Linda is a, uh, is a young woman, unmarried. She's close to 30, in her late 20s. She, in college, they, uh, she uh, studied philosophy. Uh, and she um, was involved in all kinds of uh, social woke, nowadays they would call it woke uh, projects. Uh, this, was, this research was done in the 70s, so woke didn't exist yet, but it exists now. And uh, social uh, justice, and, uh, and uh, she... Um, uh, demonstrated against uh, these uh, use uh, against the storing of atomic weapons by the United States and so on. This happened in the United States, says Linda. Okay, now uh, now you, the I ask you or the respondents in in this survey were asked, is it more likely that Linda is a uh, clerk in a bank or a feminist clerk in a bank? What's more likely? What do you think? A feminist clerk in a bank. Feminist. Yes, right. of course. Okay, right. So, 72% uh, of the, uh, of the um, respondents said the same thing that uh, Naor said, okay? And the other 28 lied, probably. The lied 28 the said, no, it's more likely that she's a bank clerk. Well, they were right, the 28%. The 28% are right, because uh, if you are a feminist bank clerk, then you are in particular a bank clerk, okay? So it's more likely that she is a bank clerk. It's simple logic, okay? Now, what were they trying to prove in this? They, so they were trying to prove that people are irrational, okay? That uh, uh, they that people don't don't uh, respond irrationally because but obviously, if you're a, a if you're a feminist bank clerk, then you're also a bank clerk, mm -hmm. and you might be a bank clerk without being a feminist bank clerk, even if you have a a history like Linda has. Okay? It's a misleading question. Yeah, it's exactly. a it's a trap. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trap, and I corresponded with Dick Taylor who got the Nobel Prize in Economics in uh, 2017. And he is the uh, second person to get the Nobel Prize in Economics for his work in behavioral economics, okay? All the others, yes, in all, in all the intervening years is not for their work in behavioral economics, but for their work in, in uh, mainstream economics, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I, I corresponded with Dick Taylor, okay? Uh, and uh, I had a long correspondence with him, and he admitted 
that this is a trap question. He used that word, a trap. And he said, people are irrational. We call them irrational because they have to be on the lookout for traps, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he said. But no, I don't buy that. Uh, uh, I, 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 I think very few people will buy that. If you are asked a question, you know, uh, uh, you're a college student and you're asked a question uh, on campus for a, some kind of survey for a... Uh, you, you, you don't have to be something. on the lookout for traps. You, you, you do the first thing that you think. You know, at the time, I, 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 I wrote this, wrote my thesis up in a paper which I published in 2019 in Nature, Human Behavior, in the, the, uh, the periodical Nature, Human Behavior. Uh, it's a, it's a, a, an offshoot of, of nature. Uh, and, uh, and there I discussed also the the uh, at the time I was writing this, uh, th- I was writing up this uh, criticism of the Linda experiment, well, not experiment survey. Yes, uh, my grandson. In fact, my great grandson, who you saw sitting here, okay, when you came in, I was just finishing a study session with him, okay? Yes. Now he's uh, 19, he's going on 20, okay? Mm -hmm. But at the time that I was writing this up, he was maybe 12 years old or 10 years old or something like that. And he said to me, Grandpa, why did Napoleon wear suspenders, okay? And at the time I was writing this, this section, okay? And I thought and thought and thought and thought, and then I finally said, okay, a lot I give up. Why did Napoleon wear suspenders? So he said, grandpa, or great-grandpa, it's to hold up his pants, okay? Now, so, so I got this wrong because I fell into the same trap that that uh, that Tversky and Kahneman laid for the Alinda respondents, which is, I assumed that what they were telling me is relevant. So they they told this whole long rigmarole about uh, uh, about um, uh, about Linda's uh, what background. kind of person Linda is. Yes, progressive, woke, and uh, yeah, and and and. The respondents naturally thought that this was relevant. So when Elad asked me why did Napoleon wear suspenders, yes, I assumed that Napoleon had something to do with it, yes. (laughs) I assumed subconsciously that, and I was looking for a connection between Napoleon and suspenders, okay? He was very one of shorts. There's a a famous, I think, sociologist, or he's a linguist, Paul Grice, which says there's four... There's four uh, principles of you know exchange yes. between people, and one of them is the principle of relevancy. Yes. That when we're when when you're engaging in in conversation with someone, you assume four different things yeah. about what's being told, and one of them is that the person 
the thing that they're telling you is relevant yeah to right. to, to which i think is another kind of bias which we evolved into it makes exactly. sense exactly it makes sense and and you know 99 point now the the, the linda uh, uh survey uh, uh, is is obviously contrived yes it doesn't appear in it doesn't occur just like you said uh people assume rightly that what they're being told is relevant okay uh, but it just it, i mean it has to be said the 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 way the question is phrased it sounds like you're asking is linda a feminist or is she not a feminist right. that's that's basically what the question yeah. sounds like and that's you say what ah, it sounds like she's exactly. a feminist if you would ask what odds are that she is x and y then you might but that's not how they form the question no no even not odds yes in other words it's it's i think the odds are a hundred percent in favor of her being a uh, uh of her being a, a banker a, a banker yes a bank clerk yes right yes that, that's so it, but it's a trick question yeah it's a, it's a, not only a trick it's a trap question it's purposely trapped and 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 Dick Taylor wrote this to me. Yes, I have it on my email. So, but if I read between the lines, you know, you're a gentleman and a scholar and a professor, but you come with very harsh, you blame them for cherry picking, for, um, I don't know how you would call it, you know, but, but it's, it's a very harsh accusation for an, in the ac- academic world. Uh, no. what is what was their blind spot like did, did it sounds like they did it intentionally um how would you explain it uh, what's the rationale what, uh, what's the rationale behind their uh, I, i really uh, uh, <laughs> what should i tell you uh, uh you're asking me to explain first of all I think they, they, they did important behavior. work they did important work Tversky and Kahneman and the other behavioral economists do important work because they point out that uh, um, they point out that uh, people do not behave they do not think things through especially uh, w- when you have to make a quick decision uh, Uh, you know, uh, um, Danny Kahneman wrote a book called Thinking, Thinking Slow and Fast, I think, or it's Thinking, thinking Slow, fast Thinking slow. Fast, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, or something yeah. like that, yes. And, uh, and on fast thinking, that's where the irrationality is coming. Now, if, if you were given a day to think over the... Uh, the um, the Linda uh, example and obviously you would say that it is more likely that she's a bank clerk than that she's a but there's feminist a... bank clerk so it on on fast now on on fast things on fast thinking you do have to uh, um, you do uh, uh, um, you, you do uh, 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 it is interesting that people work according to to uh um instinct to, 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 to 
rules of thumb, biases and heuristics, okay? Mm -hmm. And these biases and heuristics are important, but they are important not because they sometimes, very, very rarely, in contrived situations, lead to mistakes, but because they usually are right, okay? Usually they're right. Now, uh, uh, you see, if you open a restaurant, yes, you better open a restaurant that serves tasty food and not wholesome food, okay? If you're going to serve wholesome food, which is not tasty, you'll close your doors very quickly. So you are responding to that um, rule of thumb or, or you might call it uh, heuristic, eat tasty food. Okay? Unless it's a woke tasty city. So, so it's important. And in advertising, it's very important in advertising to, to, uh, to take into account people's, uh, uh, people's biases and heuristics, okay? Or in, in sales, in supermarkets, they put, they put next to the cash register things that they want people to buy, okay? So people look at them. But still, even if it's next, even if it's next to a cash register, if you don't want it, you're not going to buy it, okay? Uh, 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 if, yes? So it's, it's to call attention to things that people may want, so you put them next to the cash register, okay? Mm -hmm. So you call attention to them, and your, your eye falls on them, Okay. So you're other saying things like that. Uh, it, it's important. Uh, behavioral economics is very, very important because of the positive side, not because of the negative side. Okay, the negative side is unusual. Okay, the positive side is important. I think there's there's also some rationality to thinking fast. I mean, if you spent a day on every decision you had yeah. to make, yeah, if you see a tiger, you, would, the, you wouldn't get anywhere yeah. in life, or you might, yeah, you might end up spending a very very uh, expensive time yeah. on making a simple decision. So there's some rationality to it, um, but I I wonder like I think sometimes also the exception proves the rule. Sometimes the fact that you can find certain exceptions comes to actually strengthen the rule to begin with and the fact that it is a useful tool. Um, but maybe we'll move on from Yeah, behavior. just one, one, one more question because what I deduce is that because you talk a lot about evolution in your interviews, in your lectures. So actually the entire you could can you say that the entire basis of game theory stands on the pillars of, of evolution yes yeah absolutely well no 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 i was too fast I, I do think i do subscribe to uh danny kahneman's uh thinking fast thinking slow idea and i think a lot of game theory is about thinking slow okay a lot, a lot of game theory is about thinking slow. So, uh, even most of it, okay? And in thinking slow, nobody says that people make the mistakes uh, uh, of, uh, that could be made in behavioral economics. By the way, even Tversky and Kahneman themselves, 
in in the original book in uh, not book in the original paper in in science in 1974 wrote that these heuristics are generally useful but sometimes they lead to systematic errors okay and they chose even after writing that at the very beginning uh, of 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 the of the history of behavioral economics they chose to f- to to emphasize the sometimes and not the in general okay uh so they themselves are aware of the fact that the heuristics are in general useful they even use the term useful uh so uh, and and they repeated this again in in a publication the psychological review 20 years later in or 18 years later in 92 um so so they are aware of this that it's usually uh, that it's usually uh that the heuristics are usually useful and and yes that's right they developed because of evolution now evolution does not have to be biological like hunger hunger is biological evolution it's the genes okay the genes the genes for for uh, hunger developed uh, because of biological fitness the darwinian type okay Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, evolution could be cultural evolution, which just means learning. Okay, what what do I mean by learning? Learning, I don't mean studying in a book and then taking an exam. I mean learning by experience. Okay, uh, by experience you learn that relevant uh, uh, that when you're told something, especially a long rigmarole like in in. Uh, um, Uh, Linda, uh, you, uh, uh, you, it's it's usually it's usually relevant, okay? And all kinds of things. Uh, all, all all the uh, let me give you another example, okay? Um, uh, the difference between certainty and near certainty, okay? Now there's a tremendous difference there's a discontinuity a jump between how people respond when something is certain and when you tell them it's 99.9% or 99% that it's this way okay that something uh, something is will happen uh, with probability 99% and uh, and and that doesn't make sense because with probability 99% uh, uh it, you know it's it's uh, it's so close to certainty that it shouldn't make um, any difference in most cases but people don't respond to the actual mathematical probability okay when i invite somebody for dinner okay uh, i'm making a a dinner for a small group of uh, people and and i invite somebody and she says 99% i'll come <laughs> now what that means is i won't when come you, uh, no 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 not i won't come i want no if she if she knows that she won't come she'll say so okay 
she she said I I'm not sure I can make it but I want in I want you to hold the place for me okay I want in but I'm not sure I can make it that's what she means okay mm-hmm. uh, uh, so you get used to that you get used to hearing 99 percent. And it's not really 99%, okay? So you get used to that, and people respond to that because it's the usual thing. The usual thing is that 99% is just says... Maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Or when a contractor says to you, 99% your house will be ready in eight months, yes? You better figure at least a year, okay, <laughs> uh, or, or or a year and a half. Yes, uh, the 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 word ninety nine percent, Tversky and Kahneman took it literally that it means ninety nine percent, but it doesn't mean that, okay. In everyday language, it doesn't mean that, okay. So, uh, lots of examples like that. Mm. Okay. So they had biases themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They had biases themselves, uh, like all of us do. Yeah. No comment. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, let's get back to your studies of game theory. What What can the average Joe listening to us? What can he deduce from your areas of expertise to his er- day to day life? Like, how can I implement game theory into my life and make, make choices better? If it's relevant at all. Uh, well, I, you know, game theory is, uh, is most successful when you're talking about... Uh, um, A situation which has some regularity to it mm-hmm. uh, uh, do you for for example um in twenty twelve Lloyd Shapley and al Ross. Got the Nobel Prize in game theory uh, in uh, in economics now there's no Nobel Prize in game theory, but game theory is considered part of economics, although that's not necessarily uh, the game theory is wider than economics <laughs> one might consider economics part of game theory okay uh, but uh, they got the prize for for their work in um Market design, okay now what is market design? Market design is the best example is uh, the market uh, for men among women and the market for women among men, okay in other words, uh, what one calls in uh, In English Shidukim, okay yep, okay, tinder uh, yes uh. Uh, now, so the situation is that um, that each you have a number of men and a number of women, and each man has a preference order on the women, 
and each woman has a preference order on the men, mm-hmm. and then uh, you have to decide how to make a uh, how to make a matching of men to women. Uh, so and and this matching has to have the property that there is uh, there is no couple. Okay, no couple consisting of a man and a woman who are not matched to each other and would have preferred their uh, each other to the partners with whom they are matched, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's a non-trivial exercise, okay? To devise a way of doing that is a non-trivial exercise. Now, I don't think that matchmakers would use the Shapley, uh, uh, it's not the Shapley-Roth, the algorithm was devised by Shapley and, and Roth became famous for making use of it in, 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 uh, in uh, many situations. Now, those situations in which he made use of it they are not. Uh, <coughs> they are not marriage markets because people, at least in the West, don't get married that way. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, they are used, for example, in assigning school children to schools. Mm-hmm. Okay, or in uh, in designing um, in in assigning uh, medical students to hospitals for interning or things like that mm-hmm. okay and this is uh, the the sh- uh, the algorithm which was designed by Shapley in in uh, um, cooperation with David Gale who died before 2012 he, he, he died I think in he died sometime in the uh, between I think 2008. 208 or something like that. So he didn't get the Nobel Prize because you don't get the Nobel Prize if you're dead. Uh, there's one exception to that, by the way, which I'll, I'll, I'll mention uh, right away. Um, uh, the, uh, so so the Shapley, for his work in devising the algorithm, and uh, Roth, for his work in applying the algorithm, they got the Shapley Prize, and that's what game theory is is uh, practical is is really uh, good for. Now, my, my own uh, you, uh, you asked about mm-hmm. my own uh, work in game theory. Well, they uh, the the, uh, the what the committee most emphasized in my work is the repeated games aspect, okay? Mm-hmm. Repeated games, and uh, to say it non-technically, in a repeated situation, I, uh, I showed that it is much more likely that people cooperate with each other. When you have a situation that occurs again and again, then when you have a one-time encounter. Why? Uh, what's that? Why? Well, why is that? Okay. And, and well, that's what I asked myself. And, and that, uh, that insight uh, um, it, 
you know, when you tell people about it, they say, okay, that's obvious, yes, okay. Uh, uh, When you go to the, uh, when you go to your neighborhood uh, um, uh, grocery store, okay, uh, you are much, you are likely to, to uh, trust him that, that he will not give you bad merchandise, uh, uh, merchandise that has gone bad, yes? Uh, whereas if somebody comes to your door and, and, and wants to sell you um, uh, some merchandise, some cheese or something, yes, he comes and knocks on your door, uh, and then you will hesitate to buy from him, okay? Why is that? Uh, or or uh, uh, why is it that your grocer... Nowadays, when with credit cards, that's no longer the case. But it used to be that people had a, a, a card at the grocery, and they say, "Write it down when you want to pay." Okay, mm-hmm. instead of paying, I don't have enough money with me. Write it down. I'll pay at the end of the month. Nowadays, that doesn't go anymore, but uh, but it, it used to be. Now, uh, the reason is that you go to the grocery again and again. Okay. You go, it's a, it's a repeated game, it's a repeated transaction. And in a repeated transaction, uh, you, you, uh, uh, you can trust, uh, you, you can, it, it's more liable, liable to develop cooperation because uh, if, if, for example, if, if the grocery store writes down something that you owe them, and then you don't pay, you're not then you're not going to get credit again, okay? And vice versa. Oh, and and if he sells you rotten merchandise, you're not going to go there again, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's the this this the uh, the insight that there's uh, a punishment is going to be in the next game, yes, and that is what leads to cooperation. That insight is, is embodied uh, in my work on mm-hmm. on on uh, is made implicit. Now, in fact, uh, um, people think, well, why why do you cooperate with your grocery store? It's because you know them. You're a nice fellow. People wouldn't cheat you, and so on. That is true, also. But the the underlying reason from. Uh, uh, that, that this friendship develops in the first place is because Trust. if you don't behave properly, then you'll suffer the consequences in subsequent uh, periods. Okay, that's the that's, that, that, that is, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I tell people this, and they say, for that, they gave you a Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I say, I say, you know what, I agree with you, but when I was told about the Nobel Prize, uh, I said, I'm not going to appeal. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but that's the bit, what's, what's fascinating, that's the basics, the intellectual basics of capitalism, is exactly that. That's the uh, trust between the, 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 the company and the individual, or the two individuals, on the, or the entrepreneur, the client and the that's what makes it possible without that concept there wouldn't be a free market 
no, I disagree with you on okay. that. Okay. <laughs> I disagree with you on Why? that. I, I think uh, you could have a free market also with, with one-time transactions. Trust is an important uh, uh, is an important element maybe in capitalism, but it's not the basic element. You could have, uh, you, you could have uh, uh, lots of one-time transactions uh, and uh, you, see, you see the, the merchandise in front of you. And uh, uh, in many cases, the, the, the trust is important because the value of the merchandise is, uh, is not apparent, yeah, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you buy a machine of some kind, a telephone or a, or a, whatever, yes, a computer, and 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 uh, you you do have to realize that that is that that is a, a that that is a uh, um, uh, that that's a going affair. But you could have a free market in in. Um, in vegetables and, and, and fruits yeah, where you can see the quality right away. Uh, it, I, I wouldn't say that that's on the basis of a free market. What lies at the basis of a free market is, is other work that I did in the early 60s, and I think this was also maybe recognized. The main thing was recognized by the Nobel Committee, um, the connection between uh, um, the law of supply and demand, okay, that supply matches demand uh, and the prices are, are uh, uh, developed in accordance with the law of supply and demand. That is a, the very idea of a price that, that uh, people charge going price for, for various items, yes. The very idea of a, of a price is uh, a, a consequence of game theoretic ideas, okay? You, you, money, the existence of money for, is, is a consequence of game theoretic ideas and it follows from uh, um, uh, the, the, uh, the logic of exchange, okay, among among a lot of people, and you have to have a lot of people. You have to have you know, a few people is not uh, enough to engender competition. I just had a, a uh, I have a correspondence with somebody who's going to give a seminar uh, in uh, in economics uh, this week on Wednesday, uh, and um, and he said that uh, that. Uh, uh, that uh, the logic of uh, uh, that the logic of competition doesn't work. Yes, he said that is in 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 the insurance of automobile insurance market. And I said, well, how many insurers are there in the market in Israel? And he answered four. I said, well, I asked him, four is maybe not enough to engender competition. Okay. You need a lot to uh, to mm-hmm. get competition, but that's a different uh, thing. I think it was mentioned also by but the Nobel uh, Committee. The Nobel Committee mentioned various things. There, there's one. Oh, what were you going to ask? I, I wanted to go back to what Noah said because I wonder if if there is still something in free markets that has to do with what you um, mentioned as repeated games, and I don't understand it. 
deeply, so maybe I'm making a mistake here. But there is something about the fact that even if I go to a vegetable uh, stand, yeah, I I make some level of assumption that he hasn't poisoned the tomatoes because of the repeat the fact that he wants to you know expect that that more people will come to his business and there's this repeated maybe not between me and him but between other others okay fine you you if you would poison them he would go to prison or something like that yeah i think you're right uh um uh. a refill Uh, refill uh, so uh, um, I, I think you're right. Uh, they, they, that is, it's an important element. Some, some, some side of trust. I wouldn't call it the basis of market economies. Though. I think the basis of market economy is uh, the other game theoretic idea that I was discussing. Yes, Price. That that, that uh, um, uh, competition. Uh, uh, and you need a lot of people, so the, so that that I think so. But I think you're you're right. I agree with you that you do need that uh, trust or or uh, near certainty that uh, that you're not being uh, um, that you're getting uh, uh, merchandise, which is uh, and after all, mo- most of the merchandise we buy. Uh, is not uh, fruits and fresh fruits and yeah. vegetables. Yes, so I, I think there is, that is an important element. I wouldn't call it the basis of. Mm-hmm. of, of yeah. I read in an interview from a year ago that you said you have a breakthrough notion about chess. Chess? Yes, you were saying that you were working on an article about chess and that you have. Uh, theory I was wondering if, uh, yeah, if it's from in, uh, I don't remember okay that. so what I are you? I don't remember that I do uh, I have been working lately on something called the the centipede game which is uh, but it's a little too technical for complicated this. Uh, yeah, yes, but uh, you are still devoted uh, scholar you still write articles and publish and I try to publish I'll tell you the truth uh, um, Uh, I have had more rejections of articles in the last seventeen uh, years uh, than in my whole previous life. Yes, in fact, I had more rejections in in the five years following the Nobel Prize <laughs> than in in the whole uh, Why do you think in the is? whole the the bar simply went up after the <laughs> after getting the the bar goes up uh, um, I, I don't know why or maybe you know maybe uh, uh, maybe my ideas are not that good anymore yes uh, I don't know. It's like uh, uh, no, no one's gonna. No, thank you. No thanks. אבל לקחתי את הקפה, חזרתי את הקפה למדבר. כן, כן. אתה ילד יותר מדי טוב. כן, כן, כן. So that's interesting. That the, is it still hard to to get rejected, or you're in the age that you don't give. Uh, 
Yeah, no, no, I'm not in the age. No, I, I, I feel bad about getting a rejection. It still hurts. It still hurts, absolutely, yes. Wow. Uh, um, But you don't give up. I don't give up, no, no. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's inspiring, yeah. Um, you know, whoop. you set the bar too high too early. No, no. It wasn't Maybe too. you should have held the, the research that you did for the it Nobel Prize. Too, uh, not too early. Uh, uh, other people... Um, get Nobel Prize much younger than me. I was uh, um, 75. Mm -hmm. 75. It's pretty old. It used to be pretty old. You know, uh, um, it's no longer pretty old. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, my, my own age right now is 92, which... Uh, used to be considered very old yes. yes and i don't think it's considered very old anymore yes it's considered old okay but uh but medicine has made tremendous advances in my lifetime okay mm -hmm. in my lifetime it has made tremendous advances and uh, um it, it's true that uh, some of my contemporaries are dying Uh, and I feel that the pe even people younger than me who, who I knew quite well uh, they die yes uh, I just heard of uh, a cousin um, who I knew quite well uh, he died last week uh, so people uh, I do feel it uh, I think I think most people still don't reach the age of 92 yes. most people but uh, but quite a few do quite yeah. a few do quite a few do I have to in the last interview five years ago exactly you told us about um, the first time you encounter you implemented game theory when you were recruited by Bell Technologies, right, uh, to solve a problem. Bell asked you um, to yeah, solve oh. a problem with the squadron. Right, 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 yes. So yes. The, the, the squadron, um, they, it, it's the Cold War era? It, the, the squadron of aircraft, this was in the mid-50s, yeah. Um, And uh, uh, they weren't, uh, they were, atomic weapons were there already, yes. I mean, they were used in 1945. Uh, um, but there weren't a lot of them around. And so they, they Bell was developing a, a ground-to-air missile. Uh, and... Uh, The question was, if you have a squadron of aircraft, maybe 20 or so, uh, most of which are carrying decoys. No, no, no not carrying atomic uh, bombs. And some, a uh, few, three, two, are carrying one, four. 
Well, how, how, how do you program the missile to catch the, the right ones? What do you do? What can to you raise do? the probability. Yeah, what can you do to... Uh, well, you know, I, I thinking over this problem now, uh, it, I, I, uh, I, th- I, I, I don't see that you could do very much here, but... Uh, uh, you know, rather than shooting at random, um, but if maybe it's a maybe, uh, maybe I thought of something at the time. This was uh, this was shortly after I had met Nash. Okay, mm-hmm. so it was the year after. Uh, it was the year after I left graduate school. Uh, I, I think I. I, w- I did a postdoc at Princeton, a postdoctoral stint before I actually had a doctoral degree. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I got my doctoral degree in 55, and I left MIT in 54, and I think it was during that period that this arose. And I remembered the conversations with uh, Nash uh, and uh, and uh, you, what you said is right. I, I didn't. I wasn't especially captivated by game theory at the time, but I remembered the co- the conversations with Nash, and I did something uh, game theoretically. Uh, um, that was the I, question. I don't remember what I did, yeah. but I did write a report, and then I got interested in game theory for its own sake. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, Let's talk a bit about geopolitics before we wrap things up. Yeah. Okay. So, you you talk a little bit in the interviews about uh, peace, war, how to prevent war, and I think the most pressing uh, matter right now in the world is the war in Ukraine and Russia and Putin. Do you think it's 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 a game between rational players? This war. Uh. Yeah, I, I do think so. And and uh, I think what Putin is doing is terrible. Um, and... But I think the West bears some responsibility for this situation. How so? Uh, how so? I... I uh, I, I, you, you people are too young, but I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis very, very uh, clearly, and 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 it's 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 very it weighs heavily on my mind. Although it was, uh, it it did not lead uh, to the end of the world, but at the time. At the time, those those few weeks of the Cuban Missile Crisis, two or three weeks, uh, I I thought that the world was going to end. Yeah, not in a year, not in a month, but tomorrow. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. the world is coming to an end, and uh, uh, I think the real hero of that story is Nikita Khrushchev. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because he pulled out in time to to uh, now now what was the uh, 
What was the um, reason for the Cuban Missile Crisis? It's because the Soviet Union had uh, was placing uh, uh, nuclear weapons in Cuba, which is 90 miles from Florida, okay? 150 kilometers, something like that. The Ukraine is zero miles from Russia, okay? Uh, and the West was flirting with Ukraine, or not with nuclear weapons. In fact, the West uh, convinced the Ukraine to forego nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. but many years ago, 20, 30 years Maybe ago. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe that was a mistake. Well, mm, Maybe that was a mistake. It might have been worse if they hadn't. But uh, but the West was flirting with Ukraine. Uh, there was talk about having Ukraine join NATO and so on, and that was threatening to Russia. It's it's not ninety miles. It's zero miles. It's yes. This is after uh, also. And this is after the West. Does the West does have missile silos across other NATO countries? Yeah, yeah, which are also close to Russia. Uh, okay. Well, so I'm saying they were flirting with Ukraine in the context of already having missiles pointed at Russia, which are close. So, close? Yes, really. I I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that they had missiles in 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 which countries is that? I mean, across NATO countries. Yeah, which like uh, Romania, Germany, Poland, Romania, what? Poland, Romania, um, uh, countries. Yeah, Poland, Romania are the best examples, I think. Uh huh. Poland. Uh, I don't know if Poland, they're nuclear. There are missiles pointed at Russia in Poland. They uh, have missile silos in Poland. NATO, Poland being a NATO. A NATO member. Yeah. They have U.S. Uh, U.S. bases in in Poland, for example. Um, but you're saying Putin is. Uh, uh, I think uh, it just goes to strengthen your point that I think them flirting with Ukraine made it even you know struck home even more the the threat of Western incursion. All right, so I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, but defending Putin, but uh, but I, I think the West made a mistake there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in your interviews, you always say that weapons prevent war, right? Is it a right quote? You say weapons, in, in, the, in the prospect of game theory, weapons prevent war. So I was thinking, to, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. I, I say that, and, and it... Uh, Weapons prevent war because weapons are there. My, my motto is weapons uh, exist in order not to be used. Mm -hmm. yes. So if, if that's true, if I'm going with that rationale and I'm looking at the whole Israel-Iran situation, so maybe in a pure game theory point of view, one might say that we're better off with a nuclear Iran because assuming they are rational people if there's nuclear Iran and nuclear Israel there's less chance of war than if there's a non-nuclear Iran and nuclear Israel well uh, 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 um, I think from if, if the Iranians are rational okay 
assuming that they're, <laughs> that's a big assumption, okay? Assuming that they're rational, I think uh, uh, they, uh, they, and they fear an Israeli attack, then they're sure, then, uh, uh, um, then, then, uh, it's it's uh, it's better for them to have the uh, to have the um, nukes the, those the nuclear capability. Uh, I think the point I was making is that uh, I think when it, two sides uh, do have nuclear capability. As as against two sides not having nuclear capability, okay, then the two sides having nuclear capability is a better situation, a better chance for peace between the two sides, okay. But uh, I think we would not attack. Uh, uh, Iran, from, from my point of view, yes, we would not attack Iran. Iran does uh, um, threaten to attack Israel, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't threaten to attack Iran, okay? Uh, uh, but uh, so, so I think that situation is a little different. I think uh, uh, we, I think we can assume, have nuclear weapons. I think we can, uh, still, that's still not official, but let's assume that, okay? Then uh, uh, for, for us, it's not good that Iran has nuclear weapons because they, we, we don't threaten to attack them, but they do threaten to attack us with mm -hmm. nuclear mm -hmm. weapons. And, and, and the threat is uh, quite credible uh, because uh, they can destroy Israel with one or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can we can't destroy Iran with one or two weapons. Yes, we can destroy Tehran maybe, or but not uh, not Iran. Okay, but they do they do attack us by proxy, and we we attack them maybe clandestinely and not officially, right? Uh, not uh, not full scale bombing, <laughs> but you know assassinations and. And Iran attacks by proxy through, through various. Um, so I, I, but I do agree that you know that maybe they talk a big game because they don't have a nuclear weapon because they don't have to back it up. You know, if you don't have the guns, then you might as well put on a big show and. Well, they, hope I, that I think they they're very close, and they may have one already. I don't know. You, and you close. wouldn't put it past them to use it. Well, I to think uh, I think uh, one should uh, take seriously what they're saying. I think one should take that seriously. Um, I think they're having nuclear weapons is not. Uh, I mean, we might do clandestine operations in Iran, but there's 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 no way that we're going to attack Iran. Uh, 
on a large scale yeah mm. just because we yeah. feel like it yeah we woke up uh, yeah. angry and we <laughs> feel like uh, yeah professor Roman it's been a, an honor we really thank you for for having us we hope many of your studies and articles get uh, published okay it's their loss <laughs> uh, every any rejection is their loss and if they're smart they'll publish the next one If they're rational. If they're rational. <laughs> they're a rational okay. player. Um, we wish you the best of health. Thank you. Thank And you. Mazel Tov on the new grand, grand? great great grand. Great grand. I think I'm not going to have any more grandchildren. It's As not really up that, to you. That, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, no, great grandchildren. Grandchildren's up to him. Uh, no, I, I think I'm finished with the grandchildren. Okay. <laughs> How no. many great grandchildren you said you had? 37. Wow. wow. Up to now, yes. It's amazing. Uh, and I don't know of any that's on the way, uh, but probably there are some that are on the way. <laughs> I don't that's know of any yet. So your holidays are very big and. Uh, and Do you ever all get together the entire had, clan uh, it's uh, it's so big now the clan that uh um that uh, it's really that everybody gets together for example, we played Hanukkah games on uh Motsei Shabbat uh, two two nights ago um, and uh many of the children and uh, grandchildren and great-grandchildren were there but uh, not all not do you have all. to I, you have to I, have, to I have two I have two granddaughters in the United States uh, mm. temporarily one is uh, one is married to uh, an Israeli diplomat at, and she she lives uh, in near Washington uh, so he's working at the embassy And one is her husband is doing a postdoc at Harvard. Uh, so uh, and she she just gave birth to number thirty seven. Uh, so I have two in America, and they weren't here, obviously, but there also some of them in Israel didn't come. it's It's a large group, okay. I, one last thing I have to ask you before we go. How do you bridge the gap between your faith and your faith in in the he in the in the jewish belief in the in the bible and the and evolution how do you bridge that gap well uh um uh, god had to uh, have some way of uh, creating the world yes and he created it using evolution okay So even the, even the, the Midrash uh, says this uh, explicitly that uh, um, the, the world, the, the uh, things that were uh, created in the world developed uh, the, uh, and you, they use, uh, I, I don't know whether I'm allowed to get up now, but uh, I could uh, bring the Midrash and I'll read it to you. Can, am I allowed to get up? Yes, uh, okay, but just the air headphones you need to my what the headphones ah the headphones.
On the word Vayichulu Hashamayim Ba'aretz Uchol Tzva'am, okay, so this is to that part of your audience that understands a little Hebrew. Yeah. And on those words Vayichulu Hashamayim Ba'aretz, which is right, you know, it's, it's just before uh, it, it introduces the Shabbat, the seventh day, okay. We say it on Shabbat, and so on. So uh, it, the Midrash says, Rabbi Simon B'Shem Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi, Mecholalim ayu amasim, vayu motchim v'holchim. The elements of the world were uh, implicit in what God created, and they mutchin, they developed, and and yes, they they developed, they evolved. Okay, so evolution is in the matrix. <laughs> yeah. In okay. other words, God did not create finished products. Okay, God created. The foundations. The God created the, the 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 mechanism of evolution. Okay, mm-hmm. when you build a table, okay, you use wood, okay, and nails, and th- you use something. Okay, God God created the tool of evolution to to uh, to have the world develop. Which is, I mean. If, you know, you subscribe to the belief that there's this almighty uh, creator yes. and that he's capable of everything, yeah. it would naturally make sense that he would create something far more complex, meaning instead of creating the table, he would create something that would become a table, right? Yeah, right, okay. It's yeah, much right. more uh, yeah. complex to do that than to, than to just create the world yeah. out of nothing. Okay. Professor Alman, thank you so much for having us in your home was okay. a real privilege and uh, best of luck with everything my pleasure my thank pleasure. you thank okay, you thank you bye guys bye